Welcome, friends and lovers, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. This is the only podcast that you may make love to. Oh, and I'm Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the now-on-sale monthly X-Men number 113, the September 1978 issue, which is on sale June 20th of 1978. And this one is titled, Showdown! It is, and on the cover, it's a, it's a, kind of a letdown here. This is a this is a this is a David Byrne cover with late uh, Leighton. Who's Leighton? Who's David Byrne? Like the Talking Heads guy? <laughs> I mean John Byrne. David Byrne <laughs> took a break from Talking Heads, and he's decided to draw this cover, which should explain why it's so lame. <laughs> I I like this cover actually. I I like it's zoomed out enough that you can see all the action. Yeah, I, I think he just wanted to get all the X Men on the cover and Holocaust at the heart of a volcano when falls Magneto. Whoa, whoa! I don't know. Like most covers, you usually have like some depth. You have a foreground and maybe a midground, and then you got a background. And this one is just like it's all background. Most covers would be zoomed in so that all you would see is Storm and Colossus and. Magneto with Banshee flying out and everybody else would be cut off. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think like the cover that should have been here would be Colossus punching Magneto all zoomed in with the rest of the X-Men in the background in their exact same poses because the rest of the X-Men really aren't doing anything. Banshee's flying upwards. Storm is whimpering and cowering. Wolverine's on his back. I don't know what Jean's doing. She's not even looking at the action. She's looking at us. And Nightcrawler, She's looking at the fire. Yeah, and Nightcrawler is hunched over on his hands and knees, and Cyclops is blasting. So Cyclops could be like off-panel, sort of, or off-cover, uh, blasting inward, with the rest of the X-Men just doing what they're doing, but just zoomed way in on Magneto and uh, Colossus. Now that, and with all the fire and stuff, now that would have been a cover. There is a muffler falling on Magneto. There is definitely a muffler. I would I would have taken this cover and zoomed into Magneto's head and Colossus's fist, and that would be my cover. Oh, that'd have been a sweet cover. That seems really modern, though. I don't think they really did so much of that in the, the seventies and maybe even early eighties. Must be my modern sensibilities kicking in. But yeah, I could totally see that cover. Super articulate face of Magneto, and then just that fist just cracking him to the side. Nothing else. Big red background. Maybe the X-Men logo is shattering based on the the, uh, impact of the fist to the the jaw. Yeah. Now we're talking. Well, anyways. uh, This, uh, we've got a brand new twist on the uh, X-Men storytelling. Chris Claremont and John Byrne are the recounters. Reconteurs. Reconteurs, which is weird because uh, uh, I guess that lineup changes and uh, Jack White takes over. But That's true. Yeah. (laughs) No, I guess I I think A, this means, and B, I read that uh, uh, John Byrne and Chris Claremont are co-plotting the issues 
for a while, or for at least this issue, while Chris Claremont's still filling in the dialogue. And uh, John Byrne's drawing, of course. And Terry, yeah. Terry Austin is inking. A. Kavecki is lettering. Glynis Ween is in for coloring. Roger Stern is the editor. And Jim Shooter, after one issue, has been promoted to promoted to editor-in-chief. Or has it been two issues? Well, I think he was always the editor-in-chief. And this is his the second appearance of Jim Shooter as the okay. editor. But now they have appointed... Uh, editors to to books okay. so i feel like whereas before there was an editor-in-chief who did everything right now they have specific editors so this is actually i think they may have had them before they're just now getting credit yeah so I, i'm get well okay but i'm guessing like we're heading we're getting pretty close to like golden age of of x-men marvel comics and I got to believe like cocaine is being snorted like nothing and like hookers and all sorts of crazy parties down in Marvel Studios. I mean, I think at this point, like everything that they've built through the 60s is like paying off here at this time point. Yeah, man. And we'll probably go on for another five or six years before. uh, Well, no, probably probably another 10 or 12 years, to be honest. What is this, 1978, you said? Yeah, we've got we've got it. 12 more years before we hit the 90s and everything explodes. Yeah, so they got 12 years of living high. But uh, I'd even say it didn't happen until 1991 or 92. No, yeah, totally. I would give it till 1992. Like, like that's when everybody realized that things were going down the drains and they all stopped buying five copies of each book that came out because everybody realized they weren't going to be worth anything and stuff but anyways yeah let's enjoy let's start let's just let's really enjoy this part and 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 uh revel in the cocaine induced uh x-men storytelling that we're going to read now <laughs> <laughs> i just assume that they're all just tripped out claremont and john Byrne are just rolling around on the floor and piles of money just like snorting cocaine and they're naked and they're like we should do a magneto story yeah and so they do Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe my imagination's getting away from me, so... Anyhow, Magneto, he attacks a, an army base, I guess. Just like in issue one. I know, that's what... I, I didn't know if this is supposed to be a callback, but it definitely reminds me of issue one. I feel like it is supposed to be a callback. And I was looking through, like, the um, narration boxes to see if I could find if it was the same Air Force base, you know, just to really tie it back down together, but I don't it's think not. that it is. Yeah, it's not. This is Mira... And in the original was Cape Citadel. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yeah. And he's well, he's going all over the place. Uh, He and this is told in some news flashbacks. Apparently, he's been all over the place uh, in Australia, New Zealand, and he's looking for technology and he's taking sophisticated weaponry. Or something. No, he's taking technology and research and people are trying to take him down with sophisticated weaponry and it's not working. It's no match for his mutant power. Some of the finest troops at the Australian army did their best. But for all the good they did, they may as well have stayed home. Another scanner? My work requires privacy, humans. And what Magneto wants, he gets! And for some reason he says, Squark! <laughs> yeah, that probably should have been a separate, <laughs> a separate balloon sound effect. I'm guessing that that's his that's his new trademark. Like anytime he's in public, he's like, "I'm Magneto, Squark." He's gone from "I am power" to <laughs> Squark. 
And the newsman, we get this neat uh, three shot of him foreground, midground, and background as he's fading off into the distance as he's talking about uh, Fantastic Four and the champions have disbanded. The Avengers are under virtual house arrest, and the X-Men who defeated Magneto when he attacked Cape Citadel, callback, seem to have vanished off the place of the face of the earth. So This is John Cheever, BBC News, Wimera, Australia. So the cameraman, if you think about it, is like <laughs> slowly walking away. Or maybe he's like zoomed way in in the first panel. Yes. Well, look at that. Behind this reporter is just like cranes and other vehicles that are just on fire. And this reporter is just like, It's been six hours since Magneto struck and many fires here are still raging out of control. The cameraman's like a mile away like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm going to need the telephoto on this one. He's got to be walking back. He's running backward. What you can't see between the panels is the camera's just violently jiggling. <laughs> runs. So we do know that the uh, that the Avengers are on house arrest. We I think we mentioned that before. Yep. And, but uh, the fact that the champions have disbanded... Well, we would know that if I was actually caught up with those back issues of the champions. Had not. And the Fantastic Four, that's interesting, too. It must have been one of those times when they were just broken up. Hmm. As happens to every super team. Sure. Doesn't happen to the X-Men that often, though. I don't think they've ever officially disbanded. I mean, they've been scattered to the four winds, but they've never been like, we are dysfunctional as a team. We will be X-Men no more. Right? Maybe. I feel it, like they might have done that, it's though. Gotta, and... It's had to have happened at least once. I know. Remember Agent Fred Duncan or Amos Duncan disbanded the X-Men for like two issues? Yeah. So yeah. you think that was the only time? I I don't I mean, I can't speak for like 1994 to 2004, but <laughs> <laughs> like that 10-year stretch. But I mean, uh, from here till then, I don't think they officially say like, we are no longer a team. You don't think there was an X-Men no more cover? With all the X-Men throwing their costumes into the garage and or uh, garbage <laughs> and walking off into the distance. Uh, while that seems perfectly plausible, I, I don't think so. Maybe there was. I don't think so, though. I mean, there's when they think that the X-Men are dead, but they didn't disband. I mean, they stayed a team. I don't know. Well, anyways, back in this time period, we'd flip over to a nice vacation spot in the Mediterranean. It's a place... Cyclades Islands, an island called Kyrinos. It's a place that Charles Xavier used to take his loved one, Moira McTaggart. So, of course, he brings Lilandra here. That's not what it says at all, Jeremy. Kind of. It says when he was bumming around the Mediterranean trying to make sense of why Moira had left him, that's when he found this place. Oh, okay. He never brought Moira here. All right, fine. Although I wouldn't put it past the professor <laughs> to do exactly what you just said. I bet you he but brought Jean here. He, he probably has brought many women here. <laughs> the professor's love nest. Women go after the jerks. That's why he's a jerk. I guess. So, yeah, she's got this little headpiece on. Uh, I guess she's hiding her feather head, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, because they're in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. I thought this was his residence. Okay, so he doesn't live here. This is just a remote island restaurant. I guess it could be his residence, but if that's true, he does have a maid and a butler. He's the professor. He's super rich. I guess. Mm, all right. Uh, for some reason, she has fallen so in love with him that he cannot conceive of living her life without the professor. 
And yet every time we see them together, they're like, I don't know, they're, they don't, they're not talking, or they're like, oh, my beloved, you're my beloved. No, you're my beloved. But we don't yeah. have, there's no, Boring. like, right, but there's no, like, <laughs> what, what connects you together? Why do you love each other so much? It's their telepathic weird O connection. They have some sort of psychic weird thing happening. It's beyond their control. It's creepy. Hmm. Well, the professor, uh, he's not well. He's sweaty because he lost telepathic rapport with his X-Men. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that he's sweating. <laughs> oh, Lilandra, I always get a little bit sweaty when I lose telepathic rapport with my X-Men. Especially Jean, I don't know what it is. <laughs> there could be a logical, natural explanation. Or they could be dead. <laughs> Deadly danger, if only I knew. Remember, I'm the professor and I'm crazy. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go back to space now. You're a little weird. <laughs> Where are they, Lilandra? What's happened to my X-Men? And we flip to a scene of them in Antarctica, the frozen wasteland. And Magneto has turned into Rosie the Robot. <laughs> Meet George Jetson. So the X-Men have been captured and they've been put into this round of tables. They've been locked into chairs, mm -hmm. which neutralize their mutant powers and also make it them unable to move. They have the, uh, the physical abilities of six-month old infants but their minds are still uh competent yeah well, they have the minds of today but the bodies of when they were six months old or you know and they also can't speak or really make much in the way of noises right so nanny the robot or rosie she comes in from time to time and feeds them and presumably changes them You'd think that Magneto would have done something about that because they're still all in their X-Men costumes. Like, if he really, really wanted to embarrass these guys, he'd put them all in, like, diapers and stuff. We're just completely naked. Yeah, and be like, nah, you're totally toddlers. Deal with it. Everybody's just awkwardly staring at one another. Oh, man, that is creepy. <laughs> I'm glad that <laughs> that didn't is, happen in this issue. Beast is kind of naked. Yeah, it's true. He's only wearing his super shorts. So Nanny goes to feed Wolverine, and uh, he's trying to spit it out. But uh, she's like, oh, don't cry, Poppet. Nanny didn't mean it. Nanny loves you. But you almost made her very cross. Bath and massage for you today, Cyclops. And that voice, it's like a marshmallow soaked in honey. So it's very sweet. Oh, Beast, you're such a marvelous silky fur. Wait, oh beast, <laughs> you've such a marvelous silky fur for you are a joy to brush. I have an idea. Would you like bows for your hair? I'll see if I can find some. I must be off, children. Why does Cyclops, we get Cyclops thought bubbles, but we don't get Beast or Wolverine thought bubbles. I would kind of like to see what Beast and Wolverine are thinking in these two panels. Yeah, as Wolverine's being fed by this... Nanny and Beast is being brushed. Absolutely. I think it would be at least amusing, but, you know. So, 
uh, Storm has been calculating, apparently. Well, actually, we did get a thought balloon by Beast. He says, I think I'll scream. Is that Beast or Storm? Oh, who knows? I guess it's probably um, Storm, I suppose. But she calculates that lunchtime will be in three hours, maybe four. So she's been for days con- uh, conserving her control and observing Nanny's routines. So wait a minute. It's, they've been in this position for days. It's taken them days to build her control mm-hmm. and observe Nanny's routine. So, you know, let's say four days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're going to be really sluggish when they get out of this. Atrophy. Their joints yeah, are all I mean, not to such a degree that they couldn't move, but they're going to be super sore. Yeah, if you had, no, if you if you were sitting in a chair, even a comfortable chair, for four days straight, you're going to be a little woozy when you stand up. But, uh, anyways, so her plan is to thrash her head back and forth, which confuses Wolverine. Storm, what's the blaze that she doing? And apparently, inside of her headdress, she has some lockpicks. So by thrashing her head back and forth, she is attempting to subtly get her head dress or her headpiece off without dumping it onto the floor, mm-hmm. which she manages to do. And then using her tongue, she is able to pick up one of the lock picks off of her headpiece mm-hmm. and hold it with her mouth. Yeah. I like this. It's a, it's a nice sequence of nine panels. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't know. The biggest problem I have with this is that they have the motor controls of a six-month-old. Now, we do in a little bit, in a little bit, get a little description of I could pick locks when I was six months old. Which, come on, <laughs> no, you couldn't. But whatever. So that's that's explained away. But the rest of this fine uh, control of her, like getting the lock pick out of her headdress with her tongue, and then. Using her mouth to try to pick the lock? I don't know. It seems a little far-fetched. Well, like she said, at six months old, she was able to pick locks. That's stupid. Your your daughter wasn't able to pick locks at six months old? No. She couldn't even... I don't know. <laughs> no, she couldn't pick locks. <laughs> I don't know what she could do, but it wasn't it wasn't much. But anyways, uh, so the rest of the X-Men are, like, kind of noticing what's going on, but they can't quite figure out what to do or what how to help. Cyclops is sensing. He can taste that something's happening, but he can't help. Actually, she only says that she has the coordination of a young girl at six months. So what is? she doesn't say she's able to pick locks at six months, which is more realistic, but also less realistic because how is she able to do this? She had the coordination of a young girl at six months. That still doesn't make any sense. Well, she was super mutant talented. She's a mutant. Okay. Mutant's got weird stuff going on. Fine, fine. So she's working <laughs> on this lock. It's a very difficult lock. And she's flashing back and forth to Cairo when Ahmed Eljibar was the self-styled master thief. And apparently he took her under his wing Taught her to teach lock or pick how to pick pick locks, including how to pick a Trojan safe with her feet. And, right, and then uh, on a birthday or something, or his her graduation was he locked her in a dungeon room, tied up, and if she was still here when he returned, 
then she's not the pupil she thought she was. And she will deserve her fate, whatever that may be. Presumably she escaped because we never find out. Yeah. Almost finished, Achman. You'd be proud of me tonight. No! No! Oh, no! So she dropped the lockpick. She is struggling with this lockpick. It's a very complicated piece of machinery. Even under ideal conditions, she would have trouble opening this lock. Mm -hmm. So it's not a surprise that she drops the the lockpick on the ground. Tink! Yep. And uh, I still like this sequence. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, visually it works. Despite the logic. Logically it doesn't work, but visually it, 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 it works very well. Uh, Nanny rolls in, and she has heard somebody call out, which was probably Cyclops, because earlier he goes, Yeah, stupid Cyclops. Always wrecking everything. And so Storm is worried that Nanny will see the lockpick, so she starts crying. Uh, fake crying. <laughs> and Nanny's like, oh, you knocked off your headdress. And so she puts the headdress on. You get kind of a, a very um, vulnerable picture here of Storm as the headdress goes back on her head, which is kind of kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nanny rolls out uh, to fix up. Uh, oh, she's going to find something to secure that headdress onto her head. And as soon as Nanny leaves, this is when Storm truly starts crying. And for the only and for only the third time since she was a child, Aurora cries. I hope we find out what the other two times were. Me too. Yeah. Meanwhile, thousands of miles out in space, a small roving asteroid swings past the Earth in a wildly eccentric orbit. Whoa! And it's got an M on it. I wonder if this is Mesmero's asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> the rock measures roughly a cubic mile, and though it is not listed on any chart, it has a name. Asteroid M. Oh. What chart has, lists asteroids in the first place? Oh, I don't know. There's probably a bunch. Oh, look. There's like asteroid. Do asteroids even have names? Some of the bigger ones do, I think. But... Daddy, daddy, buy me the asteroid chart. <laughs> I don't, I mean, like asteroids are always hitting the atmosphere and burning up, so I'm pretty sure those don't have names, but the big ones. But do they have charts? Asteroid charts? I don't know, because I don't know if asteroids like orbit, you know what I mean? Like comets come and go, like you got Halley's Comet, which comes every now and again, and some other huge My comets. Point is there's a reason it's not listed on any chart. It's because there are no asteroid charts. <laughs> Yeah, here. Well, there's asteroid belts, though. I mean, those probably orbit. Do they have charts? I, there's probably a chart of the asteroid belt. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Adam. Chris Claremont clearly doesn't know either. <laughs> or, Silly, that's all I'm saying. Or maybe that was John Byrne's contribution to the plot. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If, if we'll make this asteroid M, it, it's not listed on any chart. Put that in there. Put that in there. Put that in there. I don't know, John. I, I don't think I've ever heard of an asteroid uh, chart. Oh, oh, don't worry. Just put it in there. Put it in there. Come on. It'd be cool. Put it in there. Please. Please. <laughs> All right, John. Okay. Jeez. Jim, I don't know about this John guy. He's really naggy. <laughs> Shut up and deal with it. I don't know why that's I imagine how Jim Shooter talks. He's got a name <laughs> like his, his last name is Shooter. He's got to talk like that. Hey, I'm Jim Shooter. I'm a, hey, I talk fast. I think best. 
I'm listen. A, I'm about to come up with secret wars. It's going to blow you away. <laughs> Wave of the future. Okay, well, anyways, he's splitting his time between uh, Asteroid M and getting it up and running for his big plan that he has. He talks about the past, how his pirate powers were so diluted by his defeats that he no longer had the strength to return to his asteroid base or rebuild it. But Eric the Red saved him and returned his power to his amazingness that mm. it is now. And so once his work is finished on the asteroid, he'll have an impregnable fortress from which he can teach all of mankind that Magneto is truly master of the world. But uh, he has to split his time between his terrestrial bases and the asteroid. And for some reason, it's a little ironic that at the moment when the culmination of months of work is at hand, he should also, for some reason, be at his most vulnerable. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because his... His resources are split, therefore he's vulnerable. Whoopty. So what does that mean? Like, is he using his magneto powers on the asteroid? Like, at all times? No, because it's an orbit. That's what I would have assumed as well. Like, he goes to the asteroid, he does some work, then he comes to his terrestrial bases, does some work, and then he, you know, takes a nap, has some french fries, and calls it a day. And he just means he's vulnerable because he's all over the place. Oh, uh, it could be. So he's, I think he noticed that there was something wrong at the uh, base where he's got the X-Men, so that's why he's going to go pay a visit. Yeah, there's a ping in the first panel. Yeah, and as you'll... Oh, right. Hmm? There's some sort of systems malfunction at my Antarctica complex. Oh, I was wondering why Nandy hasn't repaired it. So he goes to investigate... And goes back to his volcanic, uh, and I guess his Antarctic layer, and the lights are off, and he discovers Nanny is doing uh, circles. That's my new Magneto voice, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I was <laughs> completely ignoring that and hoping that it would never come back. <laughs> Nanny, rolling full speed in circle. <laughs> you don't like that one? It's like uh, the guy that used to hang out with Fred Flintstone, the little green guy. Oh, um, Gazook or something, Gazook. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Well, anyways, he, he thought that he would have built Nanny better, but uh, Nanny's shaking and stuff. But he realizes, he knows, he knows that the X-Men have done something, and so he is going to let them make the first move, and then he will smash them. Based on this issue and the last issue, well, I won't say anything. And never mind. The last laugh will be mine, and that's when somebody from off-panel says, "X-Men, hit him now!" And we get a mighty sonic scream, uh, hitting Magneto full force. Who and Magneto shouts, "Yarg!" Uh, and it makes a cow noise. Shizgow. Shizgow. The new energy drink. <laughs> uh, so he's dead. Oh, I was I was barely uh, braced for that attack. Uh, he's and on when you're ground. done drinking your shizgow, make sure you get some of Magneto's new squark. <laughs> I'm Magneto squark. And so Wolverine, he's about to jump in because he hasn't had any action in like two comic books. So he runs in and uh, Cyclops mentally talks out to him and says, no, Wolverine, you can't reach him before his power's recovery. Follow the plan. Back off. Yeah, boss, man. 
Now get the hell out of my head. Well, I he says out loud for because apparently Gene can only send Cyclops his thoughts to everyone. So I think this is like the first time we see Phoenix psychically reporting all of the X Men together, and this is where. Honestly, like if they just did this every time, they would pretty much be undefeatable. You know, why doesn't when how long has this professor's psychic rapport not been working? And does it work <laughs> now? I don't know. I mean, we're let... we got a full page all about how the professor's psychic rapport didn't work. Mm-hmm. But when did it stop working? When the X Men were kidnapped by the circus when they were controlled by Mesmero, but they got out of that. So did he like momentarily get it for like a couple hours? So, oh, oh, the X-Men are okay. And then it disappeared again. And he was like, oh, they're gone again. How mysterious. I think he was like up with Lilandra. He's like, oh, Lilandra, you'll never guess what has happened. Mesmero has taken over the X-Men and made them into circus freaks. It's hilarious. I'm sure they'll get out of it and everything will be just fine. But for now, we should just sit back and listen. Listen, I'll, I'll dial you into the psychic report. Do you hear that? That's Banshee. He's a carnival barker. I have no idea, because you would think that with a psychic rapport like that, as soon as Mesmero took over all their minds, the professor would be like, oh my gosh, we need to get back to the mansion, or wherever the X-Men are, and help save them, because something is wrong. Yeah, he, then he realized it was Mesmero, and he's like, oh, it's just Mesmero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beast is there. <laughs> but actually, I think uh, Mesmero was only around when the professor was quote-unquote dead, so... Oh, so he doesn't even... Well, he read all the files. Oh, sure, of course. Well, yeah, we, we've learned earlier that Cyclops keeps detailed records of all of their encounters, so... Well, that was the professor. Yeah, yeah. So Cyclops probably can't continue it. Sure. Anyway, so they're in psychic rapport with one another, and that's when they start working as a team and just letting everything go. Storm is collecting the humidity in the air and surrounding Magneto with it. Uh, uh, she's worried that because of the strain of starting her lockpick work all over again, she may not be able to do it. Well, no, so actually, a little explanation of how they got free. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I wish we, I don't know. It seems like kind of a cheat because, like, we went through that whole thing of her trying to escape, and we saw how difficult it was. And then she dropped the pin, and then she was crying because of the helplessness. And then just a page later, it's like, eh, all that stuff. We figured out how to do it, and then we got out. We're fine. Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, but did you really want to see the same scene over again, but this uh, time successful? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, then she, yeah, I don't know. You know, you saw what happened. It was the exact same thing, so you don't need to see it. Well, but I thought they were strapped into, I mean, they're strapped into, what is making them into infants? Is it the machine? Yes. So as soon as you unlock the cuffs to the machine and fall out, you return back to non-six-month-old? Yes. Okay. All right. That's and then you, you also lose your atrophy. I guess that's what happened here. Because they're pretty, they're heavy hitting here. Oh, I mean, yeah. for Storm, maybe she's doing some flying. For Banshee, he's doing some flying. I can see that. So, Everybody else is just like, oh, man, this sucks. I think in the first panel uh, on this page here, uh, Wolverine's little cowl points are uh, really dramatically drawn for the first time. That's true. Because <laughs> they're super tall. Uh, it's effective, but it's super tall. Um, so Storm is actually drawing the humidity out from around um, Magneto, I guess, to make it super dry around him. 
is what is what she says. Okay. And I think it's clever because she says that, and then a couple of pages later we learn why. So it's like you have to be paying attention to kind of figure out how this plan falls together. But at this point, Wolverine jumps in, and he's not aiming for no cape, no siree. He wants to cut some of that oh, back. Hold on. You missed something. No. Oh. Uh, Magneto gets up and says, Fools, you've given me time to regain my strength. And that's when Banshee swoops in and says, Oh, no, and gives him another sonic burst to the back. And then Wolverine comes in and slashes Magneto's back. And then this second panel here where Magneto is repelling Wolverine, I think this is where John Byrne really excels, like these perspective shots. Yeah. Because I I like this picture. I mean, it's not a particularly great picture of Wolverine because his face is kind of stupid looking. But perspectively, (laughs) I I think it's just a neat, like he's he's definitely flying away from Magneto. And everything looks proportioned correctly. So anyhow. And that's when uh, Phoenix unleashes the, f- not maybe not the full force, but a pretty big force of the of the Phoenix force here. Razg, Skitham, Skitham, <laughs> or is that Skitham? Well, it's probably Skitham, but I just like the fact that it says Ham in the lower corner with an exclamation mark. That's that's Magneto. Like, forget the skits there. He's just like, oh my gosh, I could really go for some ham. Gosh, I'm hungry. And then the next panel, the sound effect is bacon. <laughs> and so basically, I mean, uh, Jean is just giving her him the full force. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how powerful she was. She's so barbaric and she enjoys using her powers. And his clothes are like being evaporated off of around him. There's debris all over the place. It's That's pretty... really just his cape. Yeah, but I mean, it looks pretty dramatic here. I mean, he looks like he's he's being blasted. No doubt about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now he's starting to real. They're 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 using hit and run strategy, giving me no opportunity to strike back. Lord, it's hot all of a sudden. I'm sweating like a pig. Is this a part of their plan? It is. That's what that's what that's what Storm's doing. I know. It's crazy. It's, it's like it's like they work something out. These X Men. And now Colossus runs in and starts smashing. Uh, Magneto is in the face as fast as he can, so that Magneto doesn't get a chance to use his mighty powers against him. Which because normally Magneto can just toss him away like he's yeah. some sort of fly. I mean, that's what I say here too. Like I get, I get it. Like Colossus comes in just quick one two punches left and right uh and and it's supposed to keep magneto off balance but think about it like if you're a wild animal and somebody's just like attacking you you're just going to react with whatever you've got and generally it's going to be your teeth or your claws or whatever you're offensive with so in magneto's case if he's feeling like oh my god i'm getting i gotta oh my god he's gonna like immediately i would think like just use all of his power to just like repel yeah, and, I I agree. And Colossus and, and is just even good. even Cyclops says this is not part of the plan. Peter Colossus of all the stupid stunts I told you to stay on the sidelines in human forms. Why the blazes didn't you listen? My eyes, <laughs> my deadly eyes. Well, that's okay. At least he's holding his own, so that's something. 
And that's this when... kind of ticks me off, though, because we got this like beautifully working Cyclops plan, <laughs> and stupid Peter has to run in and ruin it. Okay, he doesn't actually ruin it, but he's not going to get reprimanded for that, and he's just going to do it over and over again. He's like, and one of these days, it's going to cost him. I'm not good with words. I am not good with storytelling. I am not good with plan. <laughs> Why am I here? I am not good. <laughs> And so Beast and Nightcrawler hatch a plan in which Beast is going to spin Nightcrawler around and around by his tail and then fling him towards Magneto so that he can teleport with uh, all of that kinetic energy. This is kind of a funny panel because Nightcrawler is saying, there must be a better way. <laughs> it is kind of funny, but it's kind of silly too. But he, he flies through his teleporting portal and then flies through the one that he teleports to, which is closer to Magneto, uh, thus giving him the leverage to rip off Magneto's helmet. I got his helmet glasses. Well, now I'm doing Russian. Comrade, it will be my pleasure to put him down for the count. So he punches he him across crumb. the He punches him across the face and Nightcrawler says, Unglaublich, that punch would have torn a normal man's head off. Yet Magneto is still on his feet. Yeah, still on his feet. So maybe he is sort of conscious subconsciously using his powers to minimize Colossus's blows. That could be, because I mean a punch like that coming from Colossus would have just turned his head into like potato salad. Right. Yeah. All right. So Cy Cyclops had the right idea, keeping Magneto occupied with hit and run tactics while Storm subtly dehydrates. Eh? I don't know why he says the A silently. No, he says, eh? Oh, I see. That is molten rock. What, what, is, uh, what is he? What, what's it doing? He. <laughs> mind gut. And he thinks Magneto is causing the dome roof to open up and allow the lava to flow in. But Magneto says, no, Phoenix's blast destroyed the main control console. System all over the complex are running wild, and you can't do a darn thing to stop them. Yep. And that's when the, the, the X-Men stop pummeling Magneto to discuss things. What are we going to do? I don't know. Uh, yes, they're, they're a mile below a live volcano. Cyclops, what do we do now? I... I, I, hurry. My eyes? <laughs> my deadly eyes? Hurry up, Cyclops. Your team's depending on you and you're running out of time. Says Magneto in a strange German accent. <laughs> That's when Nightcrawler says, Ah, the answer's right in front of us. Magneto, you have to take us out the same way you brought us in. Inside a magnetic so force Magneto bubble. Magneto and Nightcrawler now share the same voice. Well, yeah, because Magneto is Nightcrawler's father, right? <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Magneto says that it's an interesting thought, but uh-uh, not today. I'm taking myself out of here in a magnetic force bubble, but none of you guys. Where Magneto walks, he walks alone. I'm a loner. <laughs> I'm dangerous. Baby. <laughs> All right, and so. He tosses Colossus aside with a mighty skark. And something falls, making a zrash sound effect. And man, Banshee comes in to save Wolverine from some falling molten rock. Uh, Wolverine's like, thanks, but what's the point? Sooner or later, we're going to run out of places to go. And Beast says, you got to be positive. you got to spin that negative energy around. Make a 
positive out of the negative Wolverine, and then he saves Gene from presumably molten lava that we can't really see. He's like, Wolvie, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> X-Men don't give up. <laughs> Hank Gene, Cyclops says. Storm, Banshee, help me blast a channel through this lava flow. We've got to get to them. Cyclops, Cyclops, the roof is caving in, says Colossus. <laughs> Magneto, this is also, an, uh, I, I feel classic John Byrne here. This is a picture of Magneto twisting around in a perspective shot to magnetically call his helmet towards him so that he can take off. It's cool stuff. And he puts his helmet on and takes off and he says, "This the base is blowing up like Krakatoa did. Yeah. Not to be confused with Krakoa. Totally different. Not related in any sort of bit. Which is good, because I originally thought it was he was talking about Krakoa. It took me a couple of seconds. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. History. <laughs> so he, yeah, he, he takes off, and uh, he, he bursts him a, a channel, magnetic channel through the um, the molten lava and says that, uh, whoa, that... He's like, Wow. I seriously underestimated the X-Men. Somehow Cyclops got them to fight as a team instead of individuals. They had rough edges, true, but they were dangerous. I nearly died out there. Man. (laughs) Getting to the surface is taking a lot longer than I anticipated. I'm hurt. Broken ribs may be worse. Must call the last reserves of powers and make the ultimate effort. Made it. (laughs) And the volcano explodes, and uh, 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 Magneto thinks the X-Men are dead. And he also goes on to say that it will be months before I'll be well enough to resume my work, months during which my plans will lie dormant gathering dust. But I'm alive. Yeah, he was was pretty pummeled, so he's weak. I guess the weaker he gets, the less his uh, magnetism powers function. I just feel like he's given up. He's like, oh, man, I hurt. This is really going to set me back a few months. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I have to heal for a while. He's going to do some, you know, some therapy and physical therapy and get better. And then he's going to resume his plan for world domination. He's going to do some soul searching, maybe go he's over to France. Like a, a long game here. He's He's not taking anything for granted. Okay. But the X-Men are dead. He takes that for granted, and then he disappears, and he's like, well, at least the X-Men won't be there to interfere. And he flies away, just in time for a phoenix bird to come scrucowing out of the ice cap. You okay, Hank? Better singe some, but I'm not complaining. I thought we were dead for sure. But you got us to the surface. You saved us. It's the least I could do for an old friend. Jean! She's unconscious and her pulse is so weak I can barely feel it. I've got to get her to a doctor. But where do I find one a billion miles from nowhere? I'm stuck on foot in Agnartica with a dying girl in my arms in the middle of the night in a blizzard. And it's snowing. Come (laughs) to think of it, I don't feel so well myself. I'll be lucky if I go a mile before I drop. No strength. Don't understand. Gotta pick Gene up, go on, arms, body, heavy as lead, feet already numb, frostbite, pick her up, McCoy, rest for a minute, then I will 
lie down and close my eyes just for a minute. Hey, if it's so cold, how come I don't feel anything? I think that's good dialogue too, honestly. It is. It makes me wonder if he doesn't feel anything because he's going unconscious or because there's some other thing going on. Oh, I take it that it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it could be either, but I, I feel like hypothermia is setting in, and he's like, it's really cold out here, but I'm kind of comfortable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna why, why, why is he only able to go? He, he doesn't last 100 miles. Why is he so tired? Uh, well, I don't know. They've just been through I, hell and back, Adam. I mean, do well, I know, but I was stuff. just wondering if there's something else going on. I mean, we won't find out to next issue because we get a to be continued question mark as Beast collapses collapses onto Icky Marvel Girl. <laughs> oh man, I got girl all over me. <laughs> Poor Beast. He's only wearing underwear. This has got to be really cold for him. Yeah, he's got some fur. I guess. All right. Well, did we uh, get any um, letters? Nope. No mails. What? No letters. What? No one loves us anymore. Mm. <laughs> We're still looking for that 40th piece of iTunes feedback, aren't we? Yeah, we still are. We're at 39. Yeah, don't say that so excitedly, Adam. <laughs> I've given up hope. Oh, man. I'm going to create a fake account just to give us that 40th piece of feedback. <laughs> the, the account's name is going to be Danger Room is Awesome at iTunes.com. <laughs> All right. Well, that, enough of that. We'll go to uh, uh, the – well, actually, if you would like to get a hold of us, here's how you could do it. You could go to www.xmenpodcast.com and see all the podcasts and the images there. Or you could go to www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us uh, at Danger Room Go. Or you could email us at uh, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. Anything else? You can go to iTunes. You can find us. You can go on to Stitcher and subscribe to us. Nah, there's a did lot you mention, of... Did you mention the phone? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can call 501-GET-X-MEN. There's a, there's a, a myriad of ways to communicate with us. You could come to Jeremy's house and his, he will serve you dinner. Sure. And you could discuss your love with him directly. But but what I do is I tie my guests down and then I feed them like Nanny feeds Wolverine. So, you know, <laughs> if you want that, I'm good. Come on over. And it's brown sludge like what Nanny was feeding Wolverine. And and I dress up like Nanny too. So <laughs> it's just my thing. Don't judge me. I hate visiting you. <laughs> I know. I usually do it to you uh, even worse when you're over. <laughs> it's snack time, I, Adam. Oh, come on. You you tie me up like I'm Cyclops, so I can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well in the head. <laughs> All right. Classic X-Men number 19. March of 1989, I think. Sure. Why not? Art Adams, Terry Austin cover. I tell you, Art Adams has just really lost it since his first classic X-Men cover. Yeah, Magneto is okay here, but Cyclops looks... I Magneto don't... is giant size. Well, I think that's the whole point. It's like, I'm Magneto and I'm defeating you and I'm powerful. Therefore, I am a biggin. Storm looks okay, I guess. Wolverine looks a little funny. Colossus looks okay. But just look and, at Cyclops. he's still not making the cover. Cyclops' butt is, like, sticking way out. His belt is, like, way past his belly button. 
they all look pretty stupid. Yeah. Except for Storm. Storm looks okay. Yeah, that's because Art Adams likes drawing girls. And even the inside cover feels phoned in because there's little tiny portraits of all the X-Men. I like this better than the cover. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. I wish I had these as like color forms or stickers <gasps> or stuff. Or shrinky dinks. Shrinky dinks, yeah. <laughs> I bet you they make uh, do-it-yourself shrinky dinks in which you could print these on and then bake them in the oven. I, I bet oh you're right. God, that would be sweet. What were those things? Were those were those shrinky dinks the ones that you color and then you put them in the oven and that, is that what that? Yeah, is? yeah, yeah. They were they were flat and you colored them with colored pencils or crayons or something. You throw it in the oven, they'd shrink up and get uh, uh, thick and 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 hard. And then they'd always bend in weird ways. That was only if that's only if you messed with them right away. Like if you baked them and then you let them cool on the oven, they would settle and then be nice and flat. It's just that when you were a kid or when I was a kid, I'd get them out right away and start playing with them. And that would cause all the curling and bending. Mm. They yeah. don't make toys like they used to. Where are the, uh, where are the, where are the shrinky dinks and where are the, is, weren't the color forms the ones with the stickers that you would stick onto the, the play sets in the background? I had a chips color forms set. You remember chips? California really? The Highway cop Patrol. show? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was awesome. There was there was Ponch and John and the motorcycles, and then there was probably some thugs and all the different like hats and pants, and you could dress them up and stick them on that backdrop. The reason that kids don't play with color forms today is because they have iPads and the internet. Where where are the light light bright of this generation? All right, so what I've noticed is every third garage sale has a light bright available. Really? Oh yeah. So I have a a a, per, a friend who's like he's in a band. He's like, what I want to do is go to every garage sale and buy up every light bright and spell my band name in light bright and have that be the backdrop. I was like, that's awesome. You should do that. He hasn't done it. That yet. is a great idea, but he shouldn't spell his band name. He should do all sorts of cool stuff. Well, right. I mean, you could put it, you could just like make random colors and put them on relays. You could do a whole bunch of crazy crap with light brights if you wired them up right. Do they have any of the uh, the sheets? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we bought like, one from a garage that had like Star Wars sheets, blank sheets, uh, cool. just random scenery sheets. Well, when you bought the sheets, they always came with like 50 blank sheets. It was really annoying. Yeah, and then you never, because as a kid, you're just not creative enough to do anything with the blank sheets. So you're like, no. So what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> do I put red here or magenta? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we ended up selling our our uh, uh, light bright at a garage sale, so we added to the one out of three. <laughs> Which I was a little disappointed in, because I was like, we should keep that. It's a light bright, for God's sakes. At some point, they're going to stop making these things. Here, I mean, we need to make a movie or a graphic novel or something called Light Bright versus Color Forms versus Shrinky Dinks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what the plot of that movie would be, but it could be, like, three collectors that are, like, like vying for the ultimate lame toy. <laughs> they have to convince a panel of judges why their toy is superior to the other two. Hilarity ensues. Oh, Better yet, awesomeness ensues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of awesomeness, uh, well, you won't get it in the next 10 minutes, but this tale is um, helped out by Kieran Dwyer, uh, so let's just jump right into it. Page five. So Nanny has just left the room, and 
Now we're getting some thought bubbles from Storm and Wolverine and a useless one from Banshee and one from Nightcrawler. And So as if this yeah. scene wasn't long enough, they decided to make it even longer. Wolverine refused to, refers to some sort of mutant healing factor. I don't know what that is, but yeah. it sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Something about his bones or something being adamantium, but I don't know what that means either. I think that's in there somewhere. Bones can't be broke. A lot of good that does me. No way to get leverage. I need to bust the restraints. It's like Chris Claremont felt this urge to like insert Wolverine's powers into every issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it because like, as they were writing this, they didn't know what they didn't know what Wolverine could do. And so like, we still haven't in the regular series established that he has a healing factor or adamantium laced bones. And actually I don't even think it becomes laced until much later. I think for a while it's just adamantium bones until somebody's like, no, he would die if he had adamantium bones. It'd be way too heavy. So, anyways, yeah, I, I think he's just like, oh no, no, it's all, it's all connected. Like this was the intent all along. It's well, it's George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Slipping out of control into berserker mode. Scared, hate to admit it, but I am scared stiff. If I fall down that pit, I'll never climb out again. Imagine going into berserker mode as a like in this state, so being unable to move. What I want you to do is. Uh, Cover up Wolverine's eyes and then flip the book upside down and look at that giant Joker grin. (laughs) (laughs) What you can't see, dear viewer, is he's got like this crazy toothy frown thing going on. And it's pretty funny. If you look at it upside down, he looks extremely evilly happy. (laughs) 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 And uh, I guess because uh, Banshee and Nightcrawler didn't get enough lines in this, they're like, hang on, boyo. We're not done yet. We'll find a way out of this mess. Which you got to wonder, who is he talking to? He, is he I, talking to himself? Because he's got to be. I think he, well, he's thinking it, of course, because he can't talk. But I, I think he sees Wolverine. I mean, look, every panel here, Wolverine's head is forward, then backwards, then forwards, then backwards. So I think Banshee sees him, like, struggling here. And he's like, oh, he's freaking out. We, get, we better get out of this soon or Wolverine's not going to make it. Uh, Nightcrawler just wonders where the heck... The telepathic rapport with the professor went, just realizing now that it's gone. Professor, you told us that you had a Townsend telepathic rapport with us. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, and then we flip back into the nine panels of uh, Storm doing her thing. And uh, blah, blah. And then we flip up to page nine, where we get a, a nice library of it on Asteroid M. Where Magne- where it's revealed that Magneto's has wealth that places him far beyond the dreams of avarice, and he numbers some of the finest minds on Earth among his acquaintances. And there is a letter to Stephen, and next to a book by Stephen Hawking, which I guess they're trying to imply that Stephen Hawking is one of Magneto's buddies. Peers, even. Yeah, well, that's convenient. Um, but I guess, I don't know. Magneto, I will help you. <laughs> I will help you take over the world. Yeah, I, I don't know. I This is adding, I guess, some much-needed subtext to Magneto, but since it's done in classic X-Men, you're kind of like, really? 
Is this real? <laughs> because right now you just know him as a cartoony villain. I, I guess he got a little bit of depth this issue, a little bit more than normal. But you don't know what, why he does what he does or where he gets, where does he get those fabulous toys? You don't know any of that. No, and this actually refers back to prior classic X-Men stories. Right. I mean, it's tying classic stories together, but not, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. <clears throat> Stomach growling, body so stiff. Can the chronometer be correct? Why am I calling a clock a chronometer? I'm so smart that I cannot refer to a chronometer as a clock. That is a plebeian use of that word. So he goes to the kitchen, and then I guess it's actually a bathroom. Is it a kitchen or a bathroom? It looks like a kitchen, but when he takes off his clothes, he's in the bathroom. Oh, maybe it's a kitchen bathroom. <laughs> Who knows? He's on an asteroid. It could be both. <laughs> Why would you have him even separated? It's like he's the only guy that lives on this thing. He's like, I got my toilet next to my sink, next to my stove. I got everything I needed in one place. <laughs> There's one big room. There's a TV on the ceiling so we can lay on the floor and watch TV. So, boom, done. He remembers his wife, Magda, his baby, Anya, from, as we remember, from the classic X-Men story. Yes. Magda called it's him a monster. A yeah. Sexy shower. Oh, yeah. He endured one death camp in Auschwitz, and he'll not see another people fear what they do not understand and... We also talk about uh, Charles Xavier was my dearest friend. While he acknowledged my fears, he bitterly rejected both my solutions and my methods. I still wonder when we're going to uh, like officially establish that relationship, because I honestly at this point don't know. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, he, he, he makes an interesting comment that Magda is a foolish woman... It was such as she who made me into what I am. If she who loved me was terrified of my mutant power, think how the rest of humanity will react, has oh. reacted. So what he's saying hmm. is like his, sim his simple display of power in front of her scared her. If he does like a massive display of power, everybody will be scared and like give over to him. Yeah. Okay. He's basically saying... If this woman who loved me couldn't tolerate me, then no human can. Right. And so he gets dressed, and then we flip back to the ping. There's another change, though, on page 15. Page 15, uh, Cyclops used to say, Peter, Colossus, of all the stupid stunts, I told you to stay on the sidelines in human form. He used to say, why the hell didn't you listen? Now he says, why the blazes didn't you listen? I kind of like why the blazes better, but yeah, stupid change. Well, blazes fits into what you're used to, because anytime they swore, they'd be like, darn you to Hades, or why the blazes aren't you doing that? Like, that's what you grew up reading. Like, w we didn't collect in the 70s when they're all like, damn you, and what the hell's going on? <laughs> so, of course, blazes works in the comics uh, continuity, because that's what they say, but... I don't know. It's just weird. It's just what I would say. I would never say, why the hell? I would <laughs> say, why the blazes? Adam, why the blazes were you late for my podcast? It, it would be funny. You know, you're going to, you go to Hades. <laughs> <laughs> to Hades with you. You go to blazes. 
And there's probably some other goofy changes, but uh, that's the only one that I caught. So let's go to the backup story, ably drawn by uh, John Bolton. Indeed, uh, we we get a well. It is titled "I Magneto," and uh, Magneto approaches an army base, much like he did at the beginning of this issue. But it's a it's a different it's a one. European army base. It's a home of the Fourth Reich. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of, I guess they would be neo Nazis now. Sure. What's the problem, Corporal Schmidt? That's how they're all going to talk from now on, like Colonel Clink. Stranger on the road, Sergeant. <laughs> Approaching the main gates. Won't answer my challenge. Yeah, probably nothing. Better sorry than safe. Besides, troops could use the target practice. Clang, 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 clang. <laughs> yeah, the sound effects are in a German accent as well. Yes. Yeah. It's a German alarm. So, ah, oh, schnell, schnell, mend the wall. And it's it's a young Magneto standing in the roadway, smiling. So this takes place in the past again, mm-hmm. shortly after, I suppose. Magda, or Anya. Yeah, he and Magda escaped and his house burned down, killing his daughter. Wait, who is Anya? Was that the daughter? I think that was the daughter, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, definitely shortly after that, and uh, he's exacting his revenge. He found out about this Fourth Reich stronghold, and so he went there and took out the base, and he's looking for some Nazi war uh, 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 criminal who uh, escaped the uh, trials of Nuremberg. Right. Uh, what year was the trials of Nuremberg? Ein Ubermensch. in time. Well, that would be nine. Well, uh, I don't know. The war was over in what, like nineteen forty-six or something like that. So the trials mm. were probably set up pretty quickly after nineteen forty-seven, nineteen forty-eight, maybe maybe around I'm there. I'm not even going to pretend I'm good with numbers like that. Oh, I feel like I'm close. I'm probably not right. And for you history buffs, I apologize. <laughs> no need to fill up our comment buckets with like you idiot. <laughs> I have trouble remembering my own age. I I do too. I have to do math every time. <laughs> 2013 minus 1976, and then you're like, that doesn't even help. I'm going to need to get a calculator. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm 37, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so he, he takes out all this army equipment, and he's looking for, uh, I can't remember his name, but one of these Nazi guys who... Hans Richter. Yeah, and apparently... Which, who is Hans Richter? I feel like that's a character from a film or something. Are you, are you sure you're not thinking of um, Hans Gruber? I could be thinking of Hans Gruber. Is that <laughs> Die Hard? That's Die Hard, yeah. <laughs> or Hans Christian Andersen, or Hans Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, o Burstrom Bonfuhrer. You didn't do this one, Adam. Oberstrom Bonfuhrer, Hans. I don't Peter, do the classic ones. Oh, is the late, late? I can't read this word here. Late something, Waifum SS. So late of the late of the Waifum SS. So I, I don't know. It, it, I can't read it either. He was a bad guy, and he avoided the Nuremberg t- trials, as we said. So Magneto. Ties him up, and he takes him to, uh, where is he going to take him to? Uh, the courts of Israel. 
You expect a Russian officer to receive a fair trial from Jews? <laughs> I guess he's Russian, so I can't use that accent. But but anyways, uh, Magnus, yes, far fairer by far than I, I suspect. Oh. And the justice you meted out on the Russian front were women and children so deadly a threat that you had to slaughter them with such enthusiasm? Well, 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 what have we here? Spoils of war, Richter. And then he freaks out. He gets indescribable pain every time he hurts himself. Uh, he uses his power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seizures, seizures strike whenever I use my powers. They've never been so bad. These stri- The seizures strike now whenever I use my powers. More extreme my usage, more deliberating, de- 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 debilitating, blah, the attack. I wonder why I'm pushing myself so hard. I wonder if I'm pushing myself too hard. Uh, whatever this guy's name is, the former SS guy, what was his name? Richter? Hans Richter. Hans Richter. He realizes that he's in agony. For all his that superhuman means he abilities. he can be overwhelmed, beaten, destroyed. Yes. And he calls, uh, Magneto calls a guy, and, oh, he also threatens, he says that he's he's got all the information he needs, uh, Herr Oberstrom Bonfier, is that somebody's name? I think that's his position, I'm, I'm not sure. Oberstrom Bonfier, hmm, okay. I'll you, be... you want me to look it up? No, it's a lot of letters, <laughs> you'd be here all night trying to type that in, uh, <laughs> He says uh, he'll be able to smash Odessa, the underground spy mercenary network run by and for you renegade fugitive Nazis. Once and for all, cause the cele- uh, once and for all, cause for celebration, eh? 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 He's from Canada all of a sudden. He calls control and says, hey, I got Hans Richter, and I, I know it's unexpected. So was my finding him, but uh, don't you like surprises? No, I'm I'm fine. I have a slight headache. How are you? Um, How are you? I was thinking I would just pick up something on the way home, not do a whole dinner. Are uh, you? Oh, you want to go out tonight? Well, we could go out tonight, I suppose. I'd like to order a pizza. <laughs> Maybe stay in and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, so he heads to Rio de Janeiro two weeks later. And he's reading a newspaper about a lecture that Charles Xavier... His old buddy just gave. Okay, so this firmly places their friendship sometime between 1947 and 1955, maybe. Okay. And when uh, when Magneto is a young man, and probably before Magneto, or probably before the professor has established his gifted school for youngsters. Well, it would have to be because he's much younger than he was in X Men One. It's been an age since we corresponded. Shame to let those ties slip loose. Perhaps ties to reestablish him. So maybe uh, maybe they've never met yet. I don't know. It depends on what they mean by correspondence. Oh, I guess that could be. Yeah, maybe they, they're both very smart men, and they've been writing to one another, and they've just never met. But I thought they were, he and uh, Charles and Moira were all in like graduate school together or something. Well, that could be. I mean, we, we haven't figured, we haven't learned that yet, I suppose. Well, I thought we learned that in one of the classic X Men we just read. No, no, not that I remember. Huh. 
I read these through these things so fast they they're I don't I don't really retain the information in these stories, Jeremy. You gotta understand. I read the words, talk on the podcast, and then it's gone. It's literally gone. I'm not very good with letters or stories. (laughs) Well anyways, this this woman, uh I don't what's her name? I don't know what her name is, but she wants Magneto to take his clothes off, and Magneto doesn't want to, essentially. It is a cardinal sin for anyone to be dressed so formally on the beach in Ipanema of an, on the eve of carnival. Ipanema. Yeah, on the eve of carnival. Well, anyways, Magneto's like, I'm not going to take my clothes off here, but I'll take my clothes off in my room if you know what I mean. So they head up to his apartment or whatever, and they start making out. But then, because Mag- they know each other, they, they she is Isabel, who I guess is his professional physician. Oh yes, Isabella. But also, he's like doing her. Well, not really, because he's like, I can't. I hold you. I think of Magda, my wife. You said she deserted you. So do you think this happens a lot? <laughs> yeah. Every like every time they try this, she's like, she, she puts up with a lot here. She's like, every time with you. I don't know why I stick around. You know, this kind of conflicts with the information that we had before that the humans, because like Magda was a perfect example of a human who loved Magneto but couldn't get behind the whole mutant thing. Well, here we have an actual human who can totally get behind the mutant thing. Yeah, she knows he's a mutant, and because I mean, he gets his headaches, and she's like, "Oh, it's because you use your power, right?" And he uh, he says, "Like, oh, they called me inhuman when they killed my wife and my daughter. I killed them all, the whole mob, with my powers." And and Isabel is like, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm here." So, it's it's got to be. I mean, does this never occur to Magneto that maybe all humans aren't so bad? Well, yeah, and it doesn't really jive with the story that we just read or the retcon that we just read, right? Yeah. Because the retcon literally says that uh, Magda is the whole reason that he decided that he could take over the world in the first place because humans are so afraid of mutants. Oh, well, she gets her throat cut. <laughs> well, way to give it away, Adam. Well, I'm jumping ahead. She, <laughs> she gives him a back massage, says he's tense, and then get her, gets her her throat cut. Yes. I think she says, uh, what I keep forgetting is how different you are from the rest of us. A unique, clearly superior being. Well, actually, he says that. Oh, a right. unique, clearly superior being. And she says, hush, I'm serious. <laughs> and then she goes on about his powers. Planetary magnetic field through your body. That must have some effect. And then blah, 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 blah. Somebody slits her throat. Yes. What? Isabella. Isabella. And it's a guy named Rod. Yeah. Control? I don't understand what's happening. And apparently five guys are control, or maybe just one guy with four guys behind him are control. So this guy named Control is like, listen, Hans Richter, that was one of our guys. He was an asset. He was a spy. I mean, he was a Nazi, but he was still working for us. Magneto flips out. Ours, there's what the devil are you talking about? They're Nazis, war criminals. Wake up and oh, and control says, wake up and smell, smell the coffee, man. I made some uh, Folgers. It's right over here. Uh, get out of bed. The, drink your coffee. The Russians are the enemies, and we'll work with whoever we have to beat them. 
If accomplishing that means turning to some of old Adolf's boys, them's the bricks. We'll use them the same way we will you muties. Magneto attempts to use his magnetic powers, but somehow, and I don't really know how, he ends up flying across the room into a mirror. Well, Control says, I had the whiz-bang science boys rig up a means of countering your powers, which nobody will ever figure out how to do in the future, but I have the technology right here in my vest underneath my jacket. It ref- Is it, so he has like an anti-magnetic vest? Yeah, sure. It looks like he made out of newspaper. It looks like it's made out of tin foil, but yeah. <laughs> so my guess is this: is it's like Magneto's powers are like polarity based, right? It's either positive or negative, and and if you can control those and you can push things back and forth, and it's basically a force power. <laughs> so when he's firing like positively charged magnetics at him, this little jacket turns into positive charge, which would repel the power back to him. And then same thing for negative. If he shoots, like, negative polarity, the jacket's smart enough to be like, ooh, negative, and it flips it back and it repels it. No, this is stupid. This is really stupid because if it could repel back the powers that Magneto is shooting at him, it would also repel him backwards. Right? Oh, well. (laughs) It's dumb. Why, Isabel, why didn't you come for me when I was alone? That makes no sense because didn't... Didn't he? she think he was alone? I think he means, like, before he got tangled up with this whole control operation would be my guess. Oh, I see. Maybe. Maybe maybe he thought, like, she was the path to, like, getting back to, like, oh, I could have a normal life and maybe a kid with this Isabella. And, oh, if only you would have found me at a better point in my life. Well, control pulls out a gun because he's going to shoot him. Magneto's like, no, I will not be killed. Not here, not like this, not by such as you. And the the suit does no good because he blows up the top of the building with magnets somehow. <laughs> and uh, hovers over them, and grabs control and says, thank you for showing me the true path. I'm enlightened. You humans are horrible. I'm going to kill you all. And then he throws control into the air. Ah, it looks like he throws them off into space. It is I who shall lead my people to the glory they deserve. I, Ubermensch. I, Mutant. I, Magneto. And then he repeats I, that last bit for Magneto. As he looks down at Isabel, I, Magneto. I wish he had said, they should have thrown in a, like an I am power here. Maybe <laughs> this is where he learned the phrase I am power. And the dream dies, and the nightmare is born. Well, I tell you, Jeremy, this nightmare is bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, I, I actually dread the classic X-Men stories, to be honest. <laughs> but we do it for you, fans, because yeah. we know you like them, or we think you like them, or we think you might like them, or we honestly don't know. We read them so that you don't have to. One day, someone will find this archive of <laughs> read-to-you stories important and meaningful and historical. Yeah. Or hysterical. They'd be like, this is a historical representation of the early 21st century. We must keep it. People start worshiping <laughs> it as the Bible, the gospel. 
Adam was right. Jeremy was right. Wars will start. Breakout. Remember, you can't spell slaughter without laughter, which has nothing to do with anything. So until next week, the danger room is closed. <laughs> 